0: sounded really good on that last one. (laughs) Something's different. I woke up this morning, and as soon as my mind regained consciousness from sleep, I I just immediately had this idea, something's different. I don't even know what that means. Uh, I kind of wrestled with it for a little while. what about just getting ready as normal. And then I came up here to the church and it, again, did the same thing again. Just something's different. I don't know if that means something's new or something's coming. I don't know. It's just something's different. So, something's different. Are you afraid to die? You see, I'm convinced that how you see death, how you see the... The events that are on the other side of that door greatly affect how you live your life on this side of the door. Does the thought of death bring fear and anxiety? And if it does, maybe it's because you're not sure what's over there. So to begin today, I want you to watch this short video
1: with me. Death is something people don't like to talk about or read about, and certainly don't like in the title of books. Yes, unless uh, it's fiction. I would say that two or three of the editors felt that it uh, was not the kind of a book that I ought to be writing. Why'd you write it? But I felt that uh, the Lord wanted me to write it because we face death every day. It's the most democratic thing in the whole world. It brings us all to the same level. Everybody's going to die. And as Bernard Shaw says, it's the greatest statistic in the world, one out of every one. Uh, Dies, And C.S. Lewis, uh, the uh, British uh, professor, uh, said that war does not increase death. He said uh, death is total in every generation. Everybody (laughs) that we see walking on the streets, everybody that uh, we see every day, they're all going to be dead. And we all fear it. And we all fear it. And we have a right to. It's called the last enemy. It's called the great enemy. It's called the king of terrors. How does Billy Graham approach it? Well, since I have received Christ into my heart, uh, the sting of death is gone. Now, for example, uh, last summer, my wife and I were coming back from Europe. We were on a plane, and suddenly there was an explosion. We thought a bomb had gone off, and the dishes went everywhere, and the, uh, the things oxygen came down. The oxygen mass came down, all that sort of thing, and we never learned what happened. We were told later it was a bomb, and it was on an Air France plane, and... Um, They were having a lot of difficulty at that time and uh, i didn't uh, feel nervous at that moment it was too quick but a little bit later i began to feel nervous and i thought to myself am i afraid to die and then i thought uh, again that it's instinctive to want to live i mean that's something god gave us and if we don't have that sense of self-preservation we would all die we might go out and commit suicide but i'm not afraid of death i'm looking forward to death itself, I'm not looking forward to the Mm -hmm. dying process. In one of the great speeches ever made the night before he died, a man you knew very well, Dr. Martin Luther King said, if the Lord would have taken me now, I have been to the top of the mountain. That's right. I've seen the other side. You have as well. That's right. I have seen the other side, and I've been with Martin Luther King, and we talked about it a number of times. Uh, mm-hmm. We fl- went to Latin America together and spent a couple of weeks in Brazil together. What's there? What's on the other side? On the other side is either heaven or hell. That's true. That's what the Bible teaches. And you believe it? And I believe it, yes. And I believe that uh, for the believer and for the ones that uh, the Lord is going to take to heaven, it's going to be a gigantic experience. It's going to be a gigantic
0: experience. Franklin Graham posted that video yesterday, and I thought to myself, has Franklin been watching our sermons here? <laughs> the interesting thing about that video is both of those gentlemen have died. Larry King and Billy Graham are both dead. They have experienced the greatest statistic in the world. One out of every one will die. Do you fear death? Are you afraid to die? Today was going to, is going to be part two of this series that was supposed to be two parts only. This past week, I was out walking. I think I told the first service it was Friday. Actually, it was Thursday morning. I'm walking and praying on Thursday morning, and then suddenly in my mind, I had this idea that um, there's something that you've left out. Something really important that you have not covered and you need to cover that. So I thought, eh, eh. We need to move on. So I, I went on walking, did my thing and Friday morning I went out walking, same thing, praying, and it did it again. This time was way more strong that there is something you've left out, not that you have to now add. So, normally I'm off on Fridays, and um, I went on and came in and um, Friday afternoon and thought, okay, then what is it? What is it I've left out? So, I ended up writing part three, which will now be next week, and I encourage you to come and be a part of that. This two-part series has grown to part three. Next week, I've called it The Resurrection. There is a detail of The Resurrection that I have never covered i uh, never thought of it in the way that I now think of it, and I'll cover that next week. How you and I see death determines how we live our lives. And much of that issue is determined by how we see that which is on the other side. When Larry King asked Billy Graham what's over there, he said, heaven or hell. Pretty black and white, heaven or hell. It's two choices two destinations, two destinies. So what happens to a person when they die? I think it's crucial that we understand specifically what the Bible teaches on this question. What's on the other side? That was the original purpose of this two-part series, which has grown into three. We, the church, must understand what the Bible says about death not what the world says what the bible says i remember hearing a, a bill nye the science guy and and he says when you're dead you're done now we have conflicting views of death the bible teaches us that most people live their entire life in fear of death. So they naturally, because it's something you're afraid of, you kind of want to keep a distance from it. So you naturally suppress the idea of death. So you don't talk about it. You don't like other people to talk about it. So you just kind of push it down, acting like if you never bring it up, it'll never happen. But then there's that great statistic one out of every one happens to experience death. It actually, fear of death actually is bondage. It's like carrying this weight in behind you that Jesus came to set you free from. This will affect your life. This bondage, this how you view death affects your life. There is a freedom from this bondage that comes by surrendering our life to Christ. And in exchange for that, he gives us the freedom that he experienced through the resurrection. I want to begin today with Hebrews 2.14. It was the foundation scripture last week. It's the foundation scripture again today. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, The Son, Jesus, also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could Jesus die. And only by dying could Jesus break the power of the devil. Who had the power of death. We need to understand something. Spiritually speaking, God the Father, Jesus the Son are not subject to death because they're not human, not in the flesh. And then God did something. Then God did something. God became flesh. He became flesh, and when He became flesh, when Jesus was born of a woman, when God placed His seed inside of the Virgin Mary, she gave birth to flesh. God became flesh. And in that moment, He, God, subjected himself to human death this was god's great plan from the beginning he would overcome death and the grave by death and the grave that's how he would do it jesus didn't do it for himself he was eternal before taking on human flesh he did it to save us from sin and death why because of the great statistic one out of every one of us is gonna die so he took on human flesh subjected himself to death to overcome the very enemy that you and I could not overcome the power of death is greater than humans the power of Satan in itself is greater than humans but it is not greater than Christ Only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only by dying could he set us free from the bondage of sin and death. Death, let's make it clear, it is a great power. And when it comes, who can say no? Who can hold it back? Who has the power when it comes? It belongs to Satan. He is the cause of death. He is the origin of death. He is a murderer. And if you are connected to him, if you are chained to him, if you remain chained to him, you will not only experience bondage, you will experience death. Those who belong to Satan, let's, let's make this really clear. Those who belong to, that means you're connected to. Those who belong to Satan are living under the power, under a power of sin and death. Bondage, slavery. That's, that's you. If you're listening to my voice today and you belong to your life is connected to Satan, you are under a power that is beyond us. You are in a bondage and that bondage will end in death. But I've got some good news. Those who belong to Christ today, you are under a different power. You are under the power of the resurrection. The only power that overcomes the power of sin and death. You have been set free from the power of sin and death through the blood of Christ. Let's look at the next verse, verse 15. Only in this way, and when I say only in this way, he's referring to the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For God became flesh. Only in this way. Could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying? Only in this way, only by the cross, only by the resurrection, can I break this chain that has bound me to the fear of sin and death. So I'm going to ask everybody a crazy question today. Do you want to be free from the fear of dying? Everybody dies. So, why so much reluctance to talk about it? Why so much reluctance to address the topic? Jesus tells us that the truth will set us free. Today, we seek the truth about what happens when a person dies. Not opinions, truth. What does the Bible say happens when a person dies? Last week, I talked briefly about the concept of soul sleep. Soul sleep is the idea that people die and their body is buried and their soul sleeps until the Lord returns. Maybe that's what you were taught is that it what the Bible teaches. No, it's not. The Bible teaches that our spirit does depart from the physical body upon death. Listen carefully. The Bible teaches that our spirit, our soul, our person departs from the flesh When the body dies, the spirit is our life's breath. I'm doing it right now. You're doing it right now. The spirit is our life's breath. And when a person breathes that last breath, the spirit or the soul of that person departs from that body, leaving a breathless corpse. Now, I've got to tell you, in the ministry, I have, in many times, I can't tell you how many times, I have sat at someone's bedside and waited and watched for them to breathe that last breath. And I have many times experienced that moment where that person does this. They, and that's it. There's no more, it's gone. When that breath of life departs, it leaves an empty shell. A lifeless, breathless corpse. Let's call it what it is. It's a corpse. A body without the spirit. A body without the soul. A body without the person because... That person, that spirit, that soul has departed. They're gone. Why should this surprise anyone who knows the Word of God? Why would it surprise? This is the origin of man. Genesis 2 verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Now I want you to put in your mind, God has formed an empty shell. From dirt, from the ingredients of planet earth, he has formed an empty shell in, in this image of man, but he's not alive. He's just a shell. And I guess you could call him a corpse because there's no life in him. And the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and then he does what only he can do. Satan can't do this. Doctors can't do this. Governors, presidents, kings can't do this. What? He breathed the breath of life into this man Adam's nostrils. And something happened. Something happened to a, a corpse. And the man became a living person. Some translations say he became a living soul. He's alive. The breath of life is the breath of God. He is the only source of this breath of life that makes a person a living soul, a living being. He's the only one that can do it. Without the breath, the body decays And turns to dust. When I watch a person die, immediately the process of decay begins because the breath of life has gone and now the body will begin going back to dust. Immediately it starts. Why? Because Adam was formed from the dust. In fact, what's really interesting to me is this is the curse the body and the breath leaving and the body going to dust is the curse of god in the garden have you ever thought of that death and the return to the dust the grave is the bondage it is the curse this event is the curse let me read it to you genesis 3:19 this is god to adam after the fall of man this is the curse god To Adam. Listen to what he says By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you, Adam, return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. You know what that is? He had given the curse to Satan, he had given the curse to Eve, and now he gives the curse to Adam. What's the curse? You're going to one day stop breathing. And when you stop breathing, your spirit will leave your body and your body will go to dust because you came from dust. You'll go back to dust. There's the curse. But what happens to the soul? Ah, that's why we're here today. What happens to the soul? What happens to the spirit of man? Does the soul sleep? Does the soul depart from the body when the breath of life stops and the soul goes somewhere and takes a nap? Does the soul go somewhere and go to sleep? No. Our spirit enters into the presence of the Lord until he appears for his bride, the church. How do I know that? Is that my opinion or does the Bible clearly reveal this truth? I'm convinced the Bible is quite clear in this. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. I want to show it to you. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know, and listen carefully, this is not supposed to be a secret. The world doesn't get it, but we're supposed to get it so we can tell the world about it. Dear brothers and sisters, that means church people, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you'll not grieve like people who have no hope. Now let's pause for a moment. God, through the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, wants us to know what happens to believers who have died so that we're not going to be upset or grieve like the world. We still grieve, but we don't grieve like the world because we know the rest of the story. So twice now I have given you this illustration. When I go into a graveyard as a believer and I go to to a gravestone of a believer who has died, I don't see graveyards like the world sees graveyards. And and by the way, I I asked Jennifer Perry for permission to do what I'm about to do. So I'll use Brian Perry, uh, our minister, uh, discipleship minister who died last February. My dear friend and brother, who I still grieve, but I don't grieve like the world does. So when I go to Brian's tombstone, and I see his name and those dates, and I was there in the room when he stopped breathing. I was there with his wife, and that last breath went out of his body. And when I go to the graveside and I look at that stone, I can say with all confidence that Brian is not here. That is Brian's body, but that Brian is not here. So the Apostle Paul says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you'll not grieve like people who have no hope. Next part, verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died, Brian died, Jesus died, Jesus stopped breathing. So when, since we believe that Jesus died and Jesus was raised to life again, so also we believe that when, uh-oh, when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died Brian Perry does anybody listen why would God bring back with him the believers who have died why would God bring back with him Brian Perry who has died when Jesus comes why So that they might receive their resurrected immortal body as it rises from the grave. And no, they've not been asleep. It's called the resurrection of the dead. It happened to Jesus and it will also happen to Jesus' followers. Just like it happened to Jesus, it's going to happen to Jesus' followers. This is what true freedom looks like. And by the way, this only applies to believers Unbelievers will not rise on the resurrection rapture day. Unbelievers will remain in bondage on that day in the grave. It has taken a hold of them and they're not rising. Not on that day. Uh-uh. Now I'm going to tell you next week, I'll give you a hint. Much of what we're going to talk about next week, we'll deal with this part in detail. So we'll hold on to that one. But here's the question. What? Okay. The believers who have died, Brian Perry, the Apostle Paul, those who have died in the grave. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave, we also believe that believers who have died are going to rise when the Lord returns, and God will bring back with him the believers who have died. He's going to bring back them. Why? Because they need to receive the resurrected body that has been planted in the earth. While well, their spirit has gone into the presence of God. So let's put that on the shelf and ask this question: what about the people who are still alive? On that day. And the reason that's real important, because when I look around, that, that's us. That's us. First Thessalonians 4:15, very next verse. We tell you this directly from the Lord. So we've just dealt with the people who are buried, right? The believers who are buried, who have died. Well, what about us? We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, that means there will be a generation that will break this great statistic, one out of every one. Somebody say hallelujah. Because as of right now, you're still a candidate for that one. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet Him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. And first, the Christians who have died, we're we're dealing with, that's Brian Perry. First, the Christians who have died. Now, I've already read that God's bringing back with him the souls of those who have died. But there's a problem. There's still the body. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves then after they rise from their graves to gather with them so you know there's not a big time gap here to gather then as they're coming up to gather with them those who are still alive that's us and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air then there we will be with the Lord forever now, I'm, I'm a, I'm, that's next week's detail. What happens to these believers? Here's where I'm wanting to go. What happens to these believers? We've got people who have come out of the ground, their bodies, and they've come, their souls have rejoined their resurrected body. We've got people who didn't have to die. They didn't go to the grave. They're just going up. What happens after that? Do you know? The dead and the alive believers, what happens after that? Some have had their bodies raised and glorified with eternal flesh so that their returning soul might enter that new eternal flesh. But there will be some who won't have their body come out of the grave. They're going to be living when the trumpet sounds and they're going to rise instantaneously and receive their glorified immortal, not immoral, immortal body as they enter into the presence of God. Notice that no one is sleeping during this event. And yes, it happens in a flash, in the blink of an eye, it happens. So you're not going to be running in and jumping into this group right at the last second. It happens suddenly. First Corinthians 15 verse 51. <clears throat> but let me reveal a wonderful secret to you. We will not all die. But we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. <clears throat> For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died. When the trumpet sounds, this sounds like the Thessalonians. When the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies and then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die this scripture absolute truth will be fulfilled what is this scripture that needs to be absolutely fulfilled death is swallowed up in victory Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? This is true freedom. Do you remember who has the power of death? Last week, we talked about who has this power of death. His name is Satan. But do you remember last week when I closed, I read from Revelation. And in Revelation, Jesus looks at John and says, John, don't be afraid. I have the keys to death and the grave. I have taken the keys, this power away from Satan. And now I have the keys. And those who belong to me have overcome death and the grave. So I'm gonna ask you a question are you afraid to die? How you see death determines how you live life. How you see what's on the other side of that door called death determines how you live your life right now. You need to know what's over there. Okay, preacher. What happens after that? Now what have we what have we dealt with? There's a day coming. And as of right now, there's a strong probability, I'm using that word on purpose, that we're the generation, that we are the generation that will experience a trumpet. And the dead in Christ, those who are buried, are going to come out of their graves, and the souls are going to come and join those resurrected bodies, and we then are going to get a new body as we rise in the clouds. And, and the question for us, we need to know, is what happens then? After that. The believers, the dead and the alive, have all raised, been raised to be with Christ. All the believers have now been clothed. All the believers have been clothed in eternal flesh. They are no longer subject to death. Somebody say hallelujah. You can't die. Death has been defeated, they can no longer die, and the question is, the church, you need to understand this, what happens next? Do you know? You know the Bible tells us. I believe at that point, all of us, all of us will be judged according to our works while we're on the earth. Listen carefully. I'm calling this the, the believer's judgment. This isn't about heaven. This isn't about hell. This isn't about being lost or saved. That's already been done. That's already been dealt with. If that had not been done and dealt with, you wouldn't be raising up. You'd be staying down. What is it about? This is about our eternal assignments and the role that you and I will have in the millennial reign of Christ. What do you think you were going to do after that? Sit on a cloud and eat Philadelphia cream cheese bars? <laughs> what do you think you're going to do? And the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all, he's talking to the church. He's not talking to pagans. We must all stand before Christ to be judged. It's not about whether you're going to heaven or whether you're going to hell. That, that had to have already been dealt with. So what's it about? We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. And yes, it does matter what you do with your life. Yes, it does matter. You, it's not your works that are saving you, but it, it will be your works that will determine what you will do in eternity. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Do you know what happens to believers after that? Now, I need to tell you, non-believers are still in bondage. In this point, non-believers are still, they they haven't experienced any resurrection. Not yet. Are you afraid to die? Do you know what happens next? The reason I keep asking the question, because if you don't know what's on the other side, it's a pretty natural fear. But if somebody could tell you what's on the other side, I remember in this Billy Graham interview, he says, "I, I don't fear death i fear getting up to the point of death the sickness I, and, and i want to tell you i want to confirm that i think it's important that i say that i too don't fear death in fact there's a whole lot of times i would welcome the thought of let's just go on let's just go i just like for all of us to go together but i do have a realistic fear about becoming sick for a long time Or become incapacitated or becoming a burden to my family. And all of those things are real. So let's put that, let's make it real here. But not death. Not death. So when I say, Are you afraid to die? I mean that crossing over. So what happens next? Let me put, let me frame it again. All the believers, whether you've been buried or you're still alive, have just been raised to get a new body. You have gone into the presence of Christ and have been judged to determine your future role in eternity, according to what you did on this earth. You have been given future assignments in the millennial reign of Christ, and I suppose beyond that. What's next? It's called the wedding supper of the Lamb, the wedding feast of the Lamb. And I need to tell you, this is in heaven. It's not on the earth. It's in heaven where the Lamb will receive his bride. The Lamb will receive the church. Now, she's resurrected. She's in eternal flesh. That's us. I'm just, I want you to make this real. That's us. In resurrected eternal flesh, we cannot die. We are now eternal. Our bodies are eternal. We have received appointed positions in the reign of Christ in future realms. And then this, Revelation 19, verse 6. And then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, what? What? He's reigning. But we're still in heaven, okay? It's important. We're still in heaven. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to Him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and His bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest pure white linen. Remember that because it'll be important in a minute. This bride at the wedding feast has been given the finest pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. What were we judged for just previously to get our assignments? For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. Now, what have we done? We've been raised, resurrected bodies. We stand in front of Christ. We receive our eternal rewards, our assignments in the future, whatever we're going to be doing from there on. And we go into the wedding feast of the Lamb. We're clothed in white garments. And what's next? Why why am I doing this? Because so many people in the church have no concept of what's on the other side of the door. What's on the other side of the door for believers is incredible. But it's only incredible if you believe it. And if you don't believe it, you're not a believer. You're a pretender. So what's next? We're coming back to the Earth in glorified eternal flesh, we're going to leave the marriage supper of the Lamb and we're coming back with Jesus to this earth. Do you believe that? The reason I say that, as I was raised in the church in my entire life, nobody ever told me that until I became a student of the word. Are you afraid to die? maybe because you're afraid to die is because you have nobody ever told you what's on the other side of the door it's glorious it's marvelous Jesus is coming to Jerusalem do you know that what did Gabriel if you've been in this church very long I can't believe you haven't heard that before what did Gabriel tell Mary at the conception what did he tell her The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob. His kingdom will never end. Where is that? It's here on this earth in Jerusalem. So after the wedding feast of the Lamb, which we will experience in eternal flesh, we've been given assignments by God and the King that we have bowed our lives to while we were in mortal flesh... He's going to come to the earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. And you and I are coming with him. Do you believe that? In Revelation 19, 11. And then I saw heaven open. And a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. And he judges fairly. And I need you to know something. And he wages a righteous war. Why do you think he's coming back? What's going on in the earth when he comes back? What's going on on the earth? There's an Antichrist that has risen to world power, and he's going to destroy him by his glorious appearance. He's coming to wage war on all of the people that have rejected him as king. Can your mind grasp that image? Has the church ever taught you that image of Christ? He comes to wage a righteous war. Verse 12, his eyes were like flames of fire and his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood and his title, and his title is the word of God. The armies of heaven, sounds like a military campaign to me. The armies of heaven, who are they? The armies of heaven dressed in the finest pure white linen. What happened at the wedding feast? Where did they get the pure white garments? Who are they? You better hope it's you. And the armies of heaven dressed in the finest pure white linen followed him on white horses. Somebody, I read that sometime years ago and some woman said, I don't know how to ride a horse. (laughs) And I said, you will. You just need a new body. From his mouth came a sharp sword. What's he going to do with this army that's returning? He's coming to strike down the nations. Why? They rejected him as king. They followed a different king. His name is Satan. And he right now is the ruler, the prince of this dark world. He's going to strike down the nations. And listen, listen. He comes, he will strike down those nations. And he will rule them with an iron rod. You know what that means? Absolute. Single source of authority. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God. Now, listen. We're coming with Him. We've had, we have eternal flesh. We've been to the wedding supper. We've received our eternal rewards, our assignments. We know why we're coming back. We're with Him. He's going to reign he will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe, at his thigh, was written what? King. King of all kings, Lord of all lords. We will return with Christ and we will be witnesses at the battle of Armageddon. Do you know that? Which actually won't be much of a battle at all. He speaks, he wins. It's over. We will be in glorified eternal flesh. And we will be in the presence of our King. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. In bodies that cannot die. In a war that will end quickly. We will be present. Listen. listen. just makes my heart leap. We will be present as Jesus takes his seat on David's throne in Jerusalem. And says it's mine it's all mine all power all dominion all glory belongs to him and only him and anyone opposes him will be crushed king of kings and lord of lords and on that day he the bible says not me the bible says he will begin a 1000 year reign on this present earth are you afraid to die Maybe it's because nobody ever told you what's on the other side of the door. What happens next? In Zechariah 14. Let me ask you, do you believe this? Cuz I do, with all of my heart, soul, mind and strength. Zechariah 14:1, one, one of the clearest descriptions of the return of Christ written by the prophet Zechariah before he was even before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Watch For the day of the Lord is coming when your possessions will be plundered right in front of you. What will be happening in Israel, in Jerusalem, when Jesus comes? What? Here it is. Your possessions will be plundered right in front of you. I will gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem. By the way, it's happening now. Now. All the nations are gathering around Jerusalem, around Israel now, Syria to the north, Iran, Russia, something's happening even now. I don't know how long it's going to take to play out. Listen, this is all connected to the return of Christ. I will gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem. The city will be taken, the houses looted, and the women will be raped. Half of the population will be taken into captivity and the rest will be left among the ruins of the city. What's happening in the earth? Carnage. It looks like everything is about to be lost. It looks like the Antichrist and the world powers are about to win. And something happens. Do you know about this? And then, in the midst of all of this horror the Lord will go out to fight against those nations as he fought in the times that passed. And on that day, somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. I've been to the Mount of Olives twice. He will stand on the Mount of Olives. He's going to walk down through the Kidron Valley. He's going to go through the Eastern Gate and he's going to take his seat on David's throne. You see, the reason I go through all of this is if you are still in bondage to the fear of death, it's because you have no clue what's on the other side. This is victory. Overwhelming victory. And I'm just getting started. On that day... His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart making a wide valley running from east to west. Half the mountain will move toward the north and half toward the south. You will flee through this valley for it will reach across to Azel. Yes, you will flee as you did from the earthquake in the days of King Uzziah of Judah. And then the Lord my God will come. Listen, listen. The Lord my God will come and His holy ones will be with him. Is that you? I'm planning on being in that group. On that day, the sources of light will no longer shine. The sun, the moon, the stars that we know today that light and illuminate the planet, they will no longer shine. Yet there will be continuous day. Only the Lord knows how this could happen. There will be no normal day and night for at evening time... I It'll still be light. On that day, life-giving water will flow out from Jerusalem, half toward the Dead Sea and half toward the Mediterranean, flowing continuously in both summer and winter. And the Lord, listen, why is all this happening? And the Lord will be king over all the earth. This earth. And on that day, there will be one Lord. And His name will be worshiped. Are you afraid to die? How you see death determines how you live your life. Let me ask you, will you be present when Jesus cast the Antichrist and the false prophet into hell? You see, what happens at this point when he comes to the earth? The Bible says that we will be present when Jesus takes the Antichrist and the false prophet and he throws them into hell. We will be present when King Jesus throws Satan into the abyss for 1,000 years, in God's prison for 1,000 years, and then something happens. We will be witnesses and active participants in the glorious millennial reign of Christ, and we will watch the entire earth be transformed because of two things. I remember years ago when I got what I'm about to tell you. It was like... Whoa, I just couldn't hardly handle it. Just two things. All it takes is two things to transform planet Earth. Are you ready? Two things. That's all it takes. And they're both in this event. Satan goes to prison. Jesus goes to Jerusalem. Two things. Satan goes to prison. He's gone. The power is gone. And Jesus is on this earth in Jerusalem on David's throne. What, what, what do you think will happen? Just, just two things. Take everything else away, just two things. This. And I'm only going to give you a snapshot Isaiah 11, verse 6. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. Stuff won't have to eat each other. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat, the calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And a little child can lead wild beasts because they won't be wild beasts anymore. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. So mothers, you won't have to go in the backyard anymore and say, hey, get away from those cobras. (laughs) You can go and bring them in the house. Yes, a little child will put its hand into the nest of deadly snakes without harm. Two things. It only takes two things. Satan goes to prison. Jesus goes to Jerusalem. Listen, I stop right now on this point. I wonder, people watching online today and those of you sitting here, I wonder, I'm sorry, I wonder how many of you actually believe this I do I I really do I always do when I read this stuff I always have that same feeling verse 9 nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain for as the waters fill the sea So the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. Everybody's going to know him. Why? Because he's here. In that day, the heir to David's throne. You know who he is, right? The heir to David's throne will be the banner of salvation for all the world. The nations will rally to him and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. All of that is on this present. Earth. Are you afraid to die? How you see death determines how you live your life. So here comes the next big question that I really need to tell you about. Where are the dead unbelievers? I've talked about the believers, the alive and the dead believers, those who have all been raised Where are the dead unbelievers during this time? Their bodies did not rise when that trumpet sounded. Their bodies remained in the ground. But what about the souls of the unbelievers? What about them? Are the souls of unbelievers in hell? Those who have died, the souls of unbelieving dead, are their souls in hell? No, not yet. Not yet. The Bible reveals the souls of unbelievers are in a place of the dead, but they have not yet received their eternal consignment to hell. Not yet. Their souls are in a place referred to as Sheol or Hades, but their final consignment to hell has not yet happened. That won't happen until the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, and Satan is released for a short time. Satan's release at the end of the 1,000 years will bring one last battle to planet Earth. Satan and his followers will be defeated by Jesus, and Satan will be thrown alive into the lake of burning fire where he will join the Antichrist and the false prophet that had been already thrown in there 1,000 years before. Let me read it to you. Revelation 20, verse 10. And then, this is after the thousand-year reign of Christ. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There, listen carefully, there they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Tormented. Let that word sink in for a moment day and night forever and ever there is no soul sleep in hell, in hell either there is conscious suffering there is conscious pain forever darkness and forever separated from God and the love of God in a prison called hell they will desire death they will desire unconsciousness but they cannot die they cannot soul sleep Forever lost, without any chance of recovery, forever lost. What a horrible thought. I don't know what the worst nightmare you have ever woke up, sweat on your brow from. This is worse than the worst nightmare you can ever comprehend. Because your nightmare, you can stop it. When you wake up, you can't stop this. But there's one more scene that I must cover today. Are you afraid to die? The souls of the unbelievers have been held in a place of the dead. Hades or Sheol or the place of torment. Not hell. Not the lake of burning sulfur. Not yet. Not yet. They're not with Christ. They're not not in the presence of the Lord, but they're also not in the lake of burning sulfur. Not yet. They will now be raised to stand before God. These are the lost. They will be raised to stand before God at the great white throne. Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. And I saw the dead, both great and small standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave, sound familiar? That's the power of Satan. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Do you know what happens after that? You mean there's more? Yeah, there is. Do you know what happens after that? Before I answer that question, I need to ask this again. Right now, today, does this topic does this sermon does this message bring you anxiety it is designed to bring you peace do you understand that its design is to bring you peace to set you free which one do you believe the bible do you hold today's teaching As absolute truth. Do you think today you have received a revelation? Not from me. I didn't write it. From him. Do you think this is truth? Now, I can tell you what happens next. After the 1,000 year reign of Christ and after Satan is cast into hell along with the unbelievers that belong to him... And after that comes this. Revelation 21, 1. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look! What's the loud shout about? Look. Look for what? God's home is now among His people. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's home is now among His people. And He will live with them. And they will be His people. And God Himself, God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death and no more sorrow. No more crying and no more pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm going to make everything new. We're going to start all over. And then he said to me, Write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the spring Of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God. And they will be my children. All who are victorious. I'm going to ask you. Will you be victorious over death, grave, hell, forever free? Is that you? The reward. The victory. What is it? What is the ultimate reward? I will be their God forever. What is the reward? What is my victory? They will be my children forever. Forever, I will never remove their name from the book of life. Forever is a long time to be anywhere in heaven or hell. Forever's a long time to be anywhere. Are you afraid to die? There's only one way to escape death in the coming wrath and judgment of God called hell. Today, you are either, I'm going to tell you this, theological, spiritual, absolute truth. Today, you are either under the power of sin and death, or you are under the power of the resurrection. In this room, this audience, you are in one of those two categories. You're under the power, and it is a great power of sin and death, or you're under the power of the resurrection. You are under God's wrath or you're under God's grace? One or the other. No one's neutral. There's only one way to become a child of God and experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the scripture that I began this series with and I'll close with today. It's found in Revelation 2, verse 9. And as I read it, I'm going to ask you, is this you? It can be. What we do see is Jesus, who was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. This is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters, and I will praise you among the assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him. That is, I and the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. The son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who has the power of death. And only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves To the fear of dying. Only by dying could Jesus break the power of death. And only by you and me dying to ourselves can we receive Jesus' power of the resurrection. It's the only way. Are you afraid to die? Here's what Jesus says too. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you'll lose your life for my sake and for the gospel, you will save it. If you're a child of God today, do not be afraid. Heaven's coming. You can't lose. Heaven's coming. If you are not a child of God today, I love you enough to tell you the truth. You have so much to be afraid of beyond your wildest imagination. Horror will come to you. But as of this moment, as of this moment, you still have a chance. The gospel of Jesus Christ has been preached to you. Now you have this revelation of future events. Revelation 21 5. And the one sitting on the throne said, This is for you. This is his love, his mercy the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm going to make everything new. And then he said to me, write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy. What I tell you is true. And he also said, it's finished. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I'll give you something. I'll give you free, the spring of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I'll be their God, and they'll be my children. But you got to add verse 8. But the cowards, the unbelievers, the corrupt, the murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Does that scare you? Many people are afraid today, but the message of life is right in front of you. And what is that message in front of you? Romans 10:8. This is the summary of that message. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips, it's in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. What is the message? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you're not going to fake him out. You might fake me out. You might fake out everybody in this room, but you're not going to fake him out. Do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Do you believe in your heart all of God's promises are yours through Jesus Christ our Lord? Chad can come on out for the invitation. There are people sitting in this room today, and if you'd be honest, you have lived your entire life in fear and bondage of this next door called death, and he comes to set you free. But the only way you're set free is you've got to believe this. How much? How much? all of it, just believe it it's called faith it's victory it's overwhelming victory so we're going to sing a song and the purpose of this song is quite simple it gives you an opportunity to confess Christ with your mouth it gives you an opportunity to determine in your heart as the Holy Spirit convicts you you say yes Lord, yes, yes yes let's stand let's Mm -hmm. sing together